Today's episode is brought to you by Launch Process Coffee, located at 584 Tillman. Stay tuned to learn more about Launch Process. TheOAMNetwork.com Power to the podcast. Okay, so our host is out of the country this week, uh, apparently interviewing for a non-podcasting job at University of Toronto. Don't worry, listeners, he's not going to get the position. I think he spends way too much time on this podcast. That does mean we don't have a full episode this week. That doesn't mean we have no new content. Uh, Today we're going to release a bonus episode we have been saving for just the occasion. So please listen and enjoy, and we will resume our scheduled programming next week. Welcome to Dr. Heckle, the science communication podcast that jealously asks, Biggie, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me. And I just love your flashy ways. Guess that's why they broke and you're so paid. On today's mini episode, The Science of Storytelling. Welcome to this bonus episode of Dr. Heckle, the science communication show that Elon Musk will probably endorse if we don't join the Twitter pylon. (laughs) With me on the show today, with a bachelor's in film and media studies from the University of Oklahoma, comedian Dylan Scott. Welcome to the show. Hi, hey. With a bachelor's in English literature and film studies from Emmanuel University, Heather McLaren. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And with one completed year of sports marketing at Kent State (laughs) University, comedian Tyler Ross. Hey, that's me. Perfect ranking (laughs) of all of us. Welcome to the show. Uh, So now you guys are on tour. Correct. Yeah, it's uh, the Commit to the Bit comedy tour. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your kind of uh, unique structuring for, uh, for, a, for a tour of this nature. So, uh, yeah, it came together naturally. We're all friends from Chicago. That's where we met. Uh, Tyler and I are roommates. Heather's basically our third roommate. I, I don't live with you. Very on purpose, I don't live but with you. But you basically live with I us. I do not live in your apartment. Uh, and so we, th- we formed Commit to the Bit, the three of us, uh, and we're... A, kind of comedy collective and it just makes sense that we go out on the road and we've been lucky where we've met so many people that you know we can keep re-hitting people up and be like hey we want to come through Fayetteville again and you know just coming and seeing friends again and goofing off so it's been a really awesome experience and Tyler and I do two person up top and we each do stand up and Heather does storytelling and it, it all flows pretty good excellent uh, what would you say is the best show so far because obviously the best show is going to be tonight at Drafts and Laughs but <laughs> <laughs> Um, the best show on this tour or on, the bo- on this tour or, or ever. I mean, I'm, I, I'm partial cause we co- we recorded my album last night. So in Oklahoma city. So, and that's my hometown. So I was, it was, it was real fun. A lot of family and friends. Probably favorite city we've ever gone to is Bismarck, North Dakota though. Hands down. Oh, yeah. Most fun show. We're going again in like, a, we'll be there in like. Uh, two or three weeks, so very excited about going if back. If you've ever done stand-up in Bismarck, it's great because we like don't know anybody, and there were like 60 people out on a Monday night that just like wanted to see comedy. So I'm wondering, like, maybe this is kind of uh, a negative uh, assumption on my part, but I would assume Bismarck, North Dakota, the people are happy that there is stand-up. You're absolutely <laughs> correct, yeah. <laughs> because it became this thing where we're, we're even talking to people and we're like, listen, I, and I, you probably know how hard it is to promote shows, get people out. So mm-hmm. as we got there, we're like, why are you at this show? Like, what made you come out? And they were like, we saw a Facebook event and we decided we wanted to go to it. And I was like, who makes choices like that, <laughs> right? Like, I, I, I skip over sponsoring ads all day. Um, people came up to us and they're like, oh man, the last comic who came through... Uh, Bismarck, uh, Dave Chappelle. I'm like, oh, cool. We're, <laughs> exactly. We're just like Dave Chappelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. 
That's insane. Yeah, so it's it's fun. Those are the fun towns when you don't expect a show to happen. Uh, and what would you what would you say? Uh, not to dredge up bad memories, but what is the worst show you've ever had? <laughs> oh man, as uh, a collective. I mean, we had a really as a collective. We... Wait, are we talking during tours or ever? I would say, yeah, whatever, whatever comes. We've had some to mind. bad Chicago shows. <laughs> we have, yeah. We uh, we do a lot of like private events with like management companies around the city, as we were kind of mentioning before. And you know, sometimes we show up and people, no one's there. We had one where there was like just these three, like women just drinking wine who stared at us the entire show. It like was... they didn't crack a smile. They just sat there politely, continued drinking their white wine, and then when the show was over, they immediately stood up and walked away, and we're like. Well, we did a comedy show here, so uh, great. Or at least we said words in front of your faces. I don't know if it was comedy or not. You, you but... fulfilled your part of the contractual agreement. <laughs> and, yeah. we, and we got paid, and that was the important thing about that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was definitely one of those, like, all right, we need to start this, make it run through, be done, and then we're going to go. Oh, man. I can't imagine that. It was um, unnerving. They were just sitting there staring at us. Essentially, not smiling, not that or, doing anything. We did this other show in Indiana where um, instead they didn't have like a community room that was open because it just like caught on fire. So they had us stand in the lobby and do the show in the lobby. <gasps> I forgot. And about people that. were walking oh, no. in and out, walking by us as we're like doing dumb jokes and stuff like that, and talking about you know losing Very... virginities and all this other fun yep. stuff so losing multiple virginities yep. <laughs> i'm born again so uh. well and that was like the last show of a tour and so we were like we just want to go home and now we have to perform for three people in indianapolis in the in middle of the hallway yeah that <laughs> as people were entering and getting their mail and just staring at us angrily and going off <laughs> So you, you, you guys kind of run a, like a variety show. It's not just straight stand-up as well, right? Is, is that the... Yeah, we love when we can trying to get other kinds of forms of comedy involved. Like, I love working with, like, musical comedians in the city. We love working with, like, solo sketch improvisers around the, uh, the city as well because we're lucky in Chicago there's just, like, a wealth of different kind of performing artists that we really know and the community, as big as it is, is still really small. So we have a lot of people that we really enjoy working with. Right. And... and- Oops, sorry. Yes. No, I was I was going to lead on to you, Heather. Uh, you are uh, part of that variety, being a storyteller. I am. Uh, storytelling is more, I'd say, long form than comedy. It's more well, than stand up comedy, traditional stand up comedy. It's very I, pure storytelling shows. Often are a real mix of comedy and extreme tragedy. Um, I've been to storytelling shows where somebody will tell a really funny story about you know shitting their pants at a work meeting, and it'll be immediately followed by someone talking about their wife dying for. 20 minutes. So there are interesting shows. You really go through the emotions um, in, in a storytelling show, in a pure storytelling show. As, as, a, as a collective group of people. Yes. Uh, and so what I was uh, going to bring up, which uh, m- maybe these people are going through the same emotions more than you actually uh, would realize. Uh, so this psychologist at York University in Canada, he performed an fMRI analysis of 86 uh, people, and he published this in the Annual Review of Psychology. And uh, basically determined that there was a substantial overlap in the networks that people use to understand uh, stories. And uh, so if you, if you say a word like uh, lavender, mm-hmm. for instance, that a person will not only uh, pick that up in the language portion of the cortex, but they will, uh, they will the olfactory, you know, the uh, regions of the brain associated with smell will also be activated when you are reading a word or when a word is said, 
that is um, associated with that sort of thing. So if, really? So the word leather, for instance, if you said some, someone had leathery hands, it will make a region of the brain light up that not only associated with speech, but also asso- associated with uh, tactile function. Uh, now, another thing that will uh, make... Uh, that will maybe uh, impress you on how uh, connected people were feeling to a story is Mm -hmm. that a uh, Princeton-based neuroscientist called Uri Hasson showed via, again, MRI, uh, when you put people in an MRI machine, different regions, you know, everyone has a different uh, profile, different regions of their brain firing off when they're thinking. But when they're listening to a story, uh, the brain activity among all these different people starts aligning and matching up. So exactly the same uh, regions of the brain when someone is listening to a story. If they're just being played audio, you put someone in a, you know, put different people in a machine, they will have exactly the same fMRI profile. And that is true across languages. You can tell someone the the exact same story in English or uh, Czech or Russian and the same regions in the same profile across the story will light up. So everyone who is listening to your story in a room is going through exactly the same brain chemistry profile. See, that, that's the first, um, the first half portion of that made complete sense to me. Like the best storytellers you watch, they're always very good about, you know, using descriptive language and, you know, the worst stories are always once you get t- caught up on unimportant details or just names of people or, uh, you know, try to make it too jokey. But people who are really good at it always manage to bring in like, oh, you know, the way things smelled and like the way a river looks or just the light, how the light hits something like there, it's very descriptive language. And so that absolutely made sense to me because you connect with that. You have experience with that, but I, it's, I'm surprised to realize that everybody has kind of such similar reactions when listening to a story. That's because you would think that they would draw from different experiences. Absolutely. And therefore there would be different memories that might get dredged up. Right. But at least within the studies that have been done, it seems that the profiles match. That's oddly heartening. That's, wow. I, I honestly, I don't know if that would affect how I uh, tell stories in the future, but it'd be interesting to ask people after a storytelling show what they think about uh, the story that was being told or what they connect with it. T-minus 10, 9, 8, we have a go for main engine start, we have main engine start, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, Launch Process Coffee is one of the latest specialty coffee roasters to hit the Memphis scene. They serve a variety of traditional espresso and other coffee beverages alongside smoothies and bubble teas, all with a retro sci-fi twist. Launch Process is located behind the rec room at 584 Tillman and open every day from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can also find Launch Process Coffee at Laughlin Yard, Rail Garden, Rec Room, The High Tone, and Atomic Tiki. Check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Launch Process Coffee and stop in to get your caffeine fix today. OAMnetwork.com. All original podcasts released weekly in Memphis, Tennessee.
what I'm going to give uh, you a chance to do now is uh, so myself, uh, Dylan, and Tyler. Okay. You're going to give uh, us exactly the same uh, brainwaves. Is that what this because... MRI machine in here is for right <laughs> now? Uh, if you have a story that you think would be appropriate to tell, you can then you you can then maybe ask me. They may have heard these before, but me, Dylan, and uh, Tyler, what it is that we take from that story because presumably okay. we would have the same brainwaves. So do you have a story that you think you would be, is appropriate to... I do. Um, I'm guessing, you know, you guys have heard this several times already, so pretend you haven't. Um, I'm probably going to do the driving story if you guys... Yeah, do never, it. Never heard, right. never heard it. Oh, you've never heard my driving story? Okay. Never once? Um, so this is basically a story I usually introduce by saying, like, I hate driving. I'm very stressed out by it. I chose to move to Chicago just so I could take public transportation all the time because uh, I'm a very anxious person. You know, I'm the kind of person where if you bump into me, not only will I apologize to you, I will lie awake at night in dread worrying about whether that apology was polite enough or not. So learning to drive was very stressful for me. Um, I was always just racked with nerves. I had no idea what to do, but my father gave me some really good advice. He said, Heather... You just have to relax and get through it. You can't control what other drivers do. You just relax and get through it. And so I did. I passed driver's ed somehow. Um, I passed my driver's test on my first try, mostly because the police officer who gave me the test thought I was like his daughter, and he didn't want me to cry in the car. But, you know, <laughs> that's something else. hate. Uh, and then I was, I was driving. I felt very adult and sophisticated as I was, you know, going to see my friends by myself and going out at night by myself and driving to school by myself. And I thought, this is going to be something really cool and exciting. I'm finally a real adult now. And so one day I'm driving to school and I'm not really paying attention to what's going on around me. I'm kind of dreading uh, my third period class because there was a girl who sat next to me who would always make up these really bizarre things lies about her own life to make it seem really exciting. Um, she told me things like uh, her father was related to British royalty or her mom was on Survivor the year before or I, I still can't believe she said this one to me. Uh, we were 16 years old and she told me that she had been raised by wolves until she was four years old, which <laughs> this was in rural Massachusetts where wolves had been extinct for nearly 100 years. We would have heard about that if it had happened. And... So I'm just driving and dreading whatever conversation she's going to try to start with me today. And I see a little light out of the corner of my eye. And I look down. I panic. My stomach drops out. It's my brake light. But I take a deep breath. I try to remember what my dad said. Just get relaxed and get through it. So I test the brake. Seems to be working all right. I was like, all right, got five more minutes to school. I'll finish driving. And I'll do my car towed from there. So I keep driving. I keep driving. And eventually a school bus, you know, starts to pull up. And it's putting its little red sign out to s tell the cars they need to stop. And uh, everyone is. And I press my brake and try to stop too. And nothing happens. And I press it again. And nothing happens. And I can't turn one way because there's a brick wall. And I can't turn the other because there are several school children who I could easily run into. And so I press my brake again. And nothing happens. And I pull my emergency brake. And nothing happens. And I pull my parking brake. And nothing happens. And eventually I'm out of time. And I crash into the car in front of me. And there's just all these noises of glass breaking and horrible smells and just screeching metal. And then everything's quiet for a minute. And I'm just shocked. I cannot believe that just happened. And my stressed out 16-year-old self just starts to sob in the driver's seat. I'm just crying and crying. I have no idea what to do. And then from outside the car, I hear another noise. 
I hear, hey, cunt. And I look up, and the angriest woman I've ever seen is getting out of the car in front of mine. She slams the door. She's red-faced. She's spitting. She's screaming. I found out later she was a member of a local gang, which I didn't know we had in rural Massachusetts. Apparently, they're very white and really overcompensate for that. So that was terrifying. But she's just running over to the car, and she's really angry. And I do the one thing I probably shouldn't have done you know, as a person who was safely ensconced in a car with an angry person outside of the car, I exited my vehicle. And I say to her, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. And then she punched me right in the face. <laughs> Just, you know, setting the tone for where this interaction was going. Uh, she pushed me down onto the pavement and reared back to punch me in the face again. And thank God at that point, a man from the car behind us came and stooped her off of me. Because I don't think I was in the right frame of mind to be in my first car accident, my first fight within 30 seconds of each other. <laughs> I don't think I would have won that one. Uh, and so she's just swearing at the guy, trying to get away from him. And there are like people coming out to stare and the sirens are going. And then I hear this other noise out in the distance. I hear a baby crying. And the woman just stops struggling with the man, looks, looks at him, says, fuck you, points at me on the ground, says, fuck you too. And then goes and stoops her newborn baby out of the backseat of the car. Which puts her actions into a little more context. Um, you know, if my baby was in danger, maybe I'd punch a 16-year-old in the face, too. Uh, but the baby was okay, which is very good. Um, and then eventually my father arrived. I have no clue how he found out about it. I did not call him. I assume the waves of anxiety I was releasing must have just drawn him to me like a homing beacon. And he said, Heather, just get yourself cleaned up, and I'll take you to school. So I get into his car, and I clean the blood from the bottom of my nose, and I wipe my eyes, and he drives me to school, and I arrive just in time for third period. I sit down, still coursing with adrenaline, and my friend Amanda kind of just looks at me, and she says, hey, did you get into a car accident last night? Or, sorry, did you get into a car accident a few minutes ago? And I was like, oh, yeah, everyone must have seen me as they were driving to school. I was like, yeah, I did, but it's Okay. I'm fine. You know, I relaxed and I got through it. And she just said, because Jenny over there just told me that she said you were in a car accident and that you killed a baby. (laughs) (laughs) And I look over at her and she's in the process of telling this rumor to somebody else. She looks up guiltily for a second and just goes right back to telling it. And for the rest of my high school career, They called me the baby killer. Someone called me baby killer at prom. And so that is why I am not a huge fan of driving. So that's that story for you guys. Yes. All right. Stop it with that. You two have heard this several times on tour already. That was a roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, Well, first of all, I think it was a very well-told story. Thank you. But uh, emotions that I felt... Uh, I'm going to say sympathy, (laughs) Uh, shock, because that twist with the baby and with the punching, to be fair, (laughs) because I I don't I still didn't think that anyone would punch someone that's already crying. I mean, she was really mad. (laughs) I've never honestly I'm not I've never seen somebody that angry. She was clearly not in any space to be reason. She was just. Well, and you think Beyond about it, you anything. think about it now too. If you yeah. if you saw like an adult punch a child like that, like they would probably instantly go to jail too. I mean, I didn't honestly. 
people did tell me later, like, why didn't you press charges? I'm like, I don't know. She was stressed out. It felt deserved. Because I killed a baby. Yeah. And, and that is just like the sympathy level too. I think of Heather of like, oh, I know she punched me, but like, it's cool, whatever. Uh, no, she, she was fine. The baby was fine. That's all that mattered. I was fine. And so that was two years you were called the baby killer. Uh, it was a decent chunk of time. Luckily, it wasn't that long um, that it was really prevalent. And it was honestly mostly among my own friends because they were right. very mean. <laughs> but uh, the guy I went to prom with did call me that a lot. And that maybe says some other stuff about me. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, for me, like, I definitely start feeling that, like, anxiety of whenever, like, you're first driving. If anything goes wrong with the car, you're like, I have no idea what's going on. So anything could be happening to it. So that's where, like, my head goes to when she starts telling that story. Yeah, I, so I, I, I would, I guess, ask, do you have, did you ever figure out why the brakes weren't working? <laughs> uh, so it was an old car. It wasn't a very good car. Somebody um, cut them. Yeah, someone was trying to kill me, Dylan. Um, no, it wasn't a very good car. You know, it's standard first car and... I guess the braid line was just kind of degraded and the fluid had been leaking out and I had not been paying as good of attention to the maintenance of my car as I should have been. Ah. Yeah. So there is a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> this is a lesson about car maintenance. This is an episode That's of Car Talk That's what we now. were taking into... <laughs> I will say, though, I, being somebody who's been in a car for eight hours a day, understand how much you hate driving because I really hate cars right now. <laughs> so, so I take that from the story. <laughs> well, uh... Thank you for joining me here in this, uh, in this studio. That was a great story. Uh, and you guys, uh, as, I'm, as I do with all of my guests, I'm going to give you a chance to plug something, your social media, your, uh, you know, your websites, whatever it is you've got. So uh, Dylan, first of all. Uh, cool. I'm on Twitter at MehDylan. Um, and sometime in the near future, my album that we recorded last night, All the Sad Stories, will be out. Great. Uh, my Twitter and Instagram is at tweet at Tyler because I didn't understand how to set up Twitter at first. So uh, go with that. And then also uh, all of our social media for our uh, comedy group is at commit to the bit comedy on Instagram and commit to the bit dot net is our website. Uh, and on Twitter, I am uh, Lady Lee, which is L-E-I-G-H and then underscore E-H because weirdly Lady Lee was taken already. So I had to do something at the end there. What? I know I, it was very upsetting to me. Um, but uh, I also want to plug, we wrote a book recently oh, yeah, uh, that's called right. Commit to the Book, which you can buy on Lulu.com. And Amazon, yeah. Well, supposedly Amazon. I have not been able to find that link yet, but they keep promising it. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, there's our... Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on to Thanks the show. Thanks for having us. Best of luck on Drafts and Laughs tonight. Thanks. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Dr. Heckle is an OAM Network production recorded at the Crosstown Concourse in Memphis, Tennessee. Your host was Mark Brimble. Guests were Tyler Ross, Dylan Scott, and Heather McLaren. The show is produced by Mark Brimble, Hunter Sandland, and Gil Worth. Special thanks to Lauren Riggins and the Surf Memphis Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or like to get in touch about appearing on the show or topics you'd like us to cover, email us at drhecklepod at gmail.com. The OAMnetwork.com. Power to the podcast.